It's in your name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Amen, and good morning. <clears throat> Here we are. One week, I heard her say a while ago, next Sunday morning in here, we'll celebrate our Christmas Eve services, and I know if you're probably like me, even on the way in this morning as I was talking with my two grandchildren in the car, and I was asking them, well, what did you get Grammy for Christmas? And they both stared back in the rearview mirror at me like deer in the headlight uh, because they had been thinking about nothing but themselves and what they're going to get for Christmas. Um, so we're, we're going to rectify that. And now I've got them thinking about their dear old poor gray-haired grandmother, you know, and taking care of her. And, but we're close. We're getting there pretty close. And if I was to ask you this morning, uh, what have you done to get ready for Christmas? I would imagine that you would all tell me about the Christmas tree and uh, right in the middle of your primary space in your house, all decorated, you'd, you'd tell me about the presents that you've procured and carefully wrapped if you're the mother and not so carefully wrapped usually if you're the father. Uh, and those are down underneath the tree. You'd talk to me about the preparations in the house for the guests that are coming and making sure that you had sufficient room and bed space and sheets and towels and all that kind of stuff for those that would come over for the Christmas day and the grocery list that yet this week because you're fairly insane you want to wait until about Thursday or Friday then go to Dylan's and uh, my wife she's not here right now but she's got a crazy bone in her she likes to go out on Christmas Eve she likes to go to the stores on Christmas Eve and, and it's not to shop it's to watch all the other crazy people out there you know it's inter some kind of warped entertainment for her to you know to go and do that but we all get ready for Christmas and here at the church and it's no different it's been a very busy week in the life of our church yesterday morning we celebrated the life of Judy Shirley at the funeral service out at Lakeview and uh, Tuesday morning here at the church Tuesday afternoon here at the church at two o'clock uh, we'll celebrate the life of Gil Gann, uh, who passed away last week. And uh, so you're getting ready for services. We're getting ready for Sunday morning. We're getting ready for Christmas Eve. And as I mentioned the first Sunday, I started talking about this in the search for Christmas. It's so very easy. It's so very easy to get tied up with all of the doing that we forget about what's coming. And usually at the church, many years, uh, we have done an Advent season sermon series and we've had the advent candles up here at the front we've had families come up and and light and we didn't do that this year we don't do it every year so don't panic advent didn't go away we we just we'll, we'll 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 bring it back but every year is a little bit different for us and i wanted to take a moment this morning before we began and i wanted to share with you about advent just talk about what this truly means for us and uh, because I like history, you, you always end up getting a little bit of what I enjoy. And so I just want to share an article that I found uh, talking about Advent. And the word is derived from the Latin word Adventus, meaning coming, which is a translation of a Greek word, parousia. Scholars believe that between the 4th and 5th centuries in Spain and in Gaul, which is France, Advent was a season of preparation for the baptism of new Christians at the January Feast of Epiphany, which is a celebration of God's incarnation, represented by the visit of the Magi to the baby Jesus, 
his baptism in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, and his first miracle at Cana. So that's what Advent was to those folks early on. That's what they were celebrating. They weren't celebrating Christmas. They weren't celebrating the coming even of the Christ child. They were celebrating things that they had seen happen uh, since the birth of Christ. And during that season of preparations, they would spend 40 days in penance, prayer, and fasting to prepare for this celebration. It doesn't say one thing about uh, Christmas candy preparations and decorations and all that kind of thing. It says penance, prayer, and fasting to prepare for that celebration. Originally, there was little connection between Advent and Christmas. But by the 6th century, Roman Christians had tied Advent to the coming of Christ. But the coming they had in mind was not Christ's first coming in the manger in Bethlehem, but his second coming in the clouds as the judge of the world. And it wasn't until the Middle Ages that the Advent season was explicitly linked to Christ's first coming. Today, that season lasts for four Sundays that we call the Advent season leading up to Christmas. And uh, at, at that time of the year, the new Christian year begins with the 12-day celebration of Christmas tide, which lasts from Christmas Eve until Epiphany on January the 6th. You, and Advent almost always falls between November the 27th and December the 3rd, the beginning of this season that we are trying to remember and sometimes gets lost in all the other stuff that we're doing. So Advent symbolizes the present situation of the church in what we would call these last days, if you can believe that, as God's people wait for the return of Christ in glory when he comes back to consummate his eternal kingdom. The church is in a similar situation to Israel uh, at the end of the Old Testament, in exile, waiting and hoping in prayerful expectation for the coming of the Messiah. Israel looked back to God's gracious provision and actions on their behalf in leading them out of Egypt during the Exodus. And on that basis, they called for God once again to act for them and on their behalf. In the same way, the church today during Advent looks back upon Christ's coming in celebration while at the same time looking forward in eager anticipation to the coming of Christ again. Are you looking forward this morning to the return of Jesus Christ? I pray that you are. And if you, if you think about it in that light, and I just noticed I had not looked at our schedule of songs this morning, but we're going to close this morning with this song, and it makes sense if you think about Advent in ancient Israel when they would sing the song, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. And while Israel was singing about that song in expectation of his first coming, the church now sings in anticipation of the first coming and in celebration, in anticipation of the second coming and in celebration of the first. So we're waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. And we look back during this season and celebrate his birth and we've been talking the last couple of weeks about how incredibly magnificent and wonderful it is that the son of god would shed his robes of glory and descend in humiliation and take on the form of an infant human being and i pray that as we 
begin this morning in this final week that our thoughts and our attention would become centered upon the person of Jesus Christ and not upon all of the things that we now will begin to do to celebrate in the party. Would you just pray with me before we continue? Lord, this morning we come and we, we do stop and we pause, Lord, and we, we just, I just pray that in the midst of all of the busyness, of all the preparations for our earthly celebration, that we would be reminded and look in our minds with eager anticipation to what you're going to do the promises that you gave to us upon your departure that you would go and you would prepare a room for us and you, you would return for us and take us one day but lord how we celebrate the sacrifice that you made to leave everything that you had to come into this earth lord and go through everything that you do consummating at easter with the crucifixion and with your spiritual and physical death on the cross of calvary let us not forget what christmas is all about in our preparations and we ask this in jesus name amen amen so how many of you go out and cut down your own christmas tree let me show you a show of hands oh man look at that only two three three do you know years ago 20 years ago when, when when i would have asked that question i think half the hands in the room would have gone out and i would see half of you out at prairie pines christmas tree farm and uh and we'd be out there uh i started to say cussing and, and you know if you, i don't know about y'all but our family tradition for years many years as my daughters were growing up and then my grandchildren were very young every year my bride insisted that we all pile in the vehicle or vehicles and we go out uh, to the Christmas tree farm and it did not matter what the weather was. I have been out there after it had rained three inches the night before and gotten down on my, in, my, in my car heart closed because also about 25 degrees after it rained all that time and it was all turning into icy mess down on the ground and my we would start in now my grandson i love when my little grandson was just a little boy we would go out there and he and me were the same we walk in that pond, uh, at christmas tree farm at prairie pines and the first tree we saw that's it that's a good one let's get it <laughs> papa that's a good one he would say and, and and i would look over hopefully at robin And I swear, we would walk to the very back of that Christmas tree farm, and we would go up and down every single row until she identified the perfect Christmas tree. And then I would get down there with the, for years, I got down there with the hacksaw that they gave me to cut that tree down with, or whatever you call that tree saw. And I think everybody in America had used it before I got it, because I probably could have chewed through the trunk of that tree before that saw got through there. So I got smart later on in life, and I bought my own, and I took it out there with me. But, you know, we would, we would find that perfect tree, we'd cut it down, and then they would all go inside and leave me in the garage with it. And I don't know who designed Christmas tree stands. But, you know, I start out with a seven-foot-tall tree. And by the time I got that thing whittled down to where it went down into that stand, it was about four-foot-three. 
But then we'd take it inside, and she'd find just exactly the right spot, and then she'd have me, I'm still laying, I'm always laying down on the ground, it seems like I'm laying down on the living room floor, and she said, turn it a little more, turn it a little more, turn it a little more, until she found just exactly, you know, the right side to sit out. And then we started decorating, and I'd have lost my mind by the time the decorating was done. Christmas just about was an ordeal for me at that time. We, but, you know, that Christmas tree became the centerpiece the focal point throughout the entire three or four weeks that we had it on there and it would all everybody that came in the house you know she would she would wanted to should want to show them the beauty of that christmas and it was you know now i'm not kidding you she did a good job with that tree and the kids loved it and we had so many ornaments on it you really couldn't hardly tell there's a tree behind there do you know what i want to point out to you is that the centerpiece was important it was an honored place. It was valued. And do you know that God looks at you exactly that same way as the centerpiece of his creation? Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. Maybe you haven't given that enough thought. At this church, we have always talked about God's word where it says in Ephesians 2.10 that we are his workmanship in some of your translations. Uh, poema is the greek word which literally means poem but also translators say his masterpiece creation that we are his masterpiece creation uh, sometimes because of our own false humility and pride we don't think about that enough that god so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for us on that cross he loved us that much he created us and it is true that we are the centerpiece as God moves us towards this celebration. And he has demonstrated his love for us from the very beginning. And if you, you want to know what he did for us, you have to think first, most, first and foremost, you are here because God created you to be here. You're, you're not an accident. You're not here for any other reason. Scripture tells us in Psalms 139, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Just as carefully as we choose a Christmas tree, God chose you sitting right where you are in that chair this morning. God looked at you in his mind. And you were conceived of earthly parents, but God formed you in the womb for his special purpose to be at the very center of his will. He forms us, he, he gifts us, he wants us. God wants you this morning. He purchased us. As we celebrate here at Christmas, he purchased us with the cost of his own son. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, you were bought at a price so glorify god with your body and in first peter one for you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life inherited from your ancestors think about that i don't care if you're the wealthiest person sitting in this room this morning i don't care if you've got the biggest house i don't care if you live in a tent 
what God says right there in that scripture is you were redeemed, you were bought back from your empty way of life inherited from your ancestors. The sin nature passed down from father to son, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. We are highly valued and deeply loved by God. Maybe your Christmas season is not what you had hoped for this year. Maybe you're going through struggles that you never imagined in your life that you would have. Maybe the relationship has fractured. Maybe the job has gone away. Maybe the finances are, are overwhelming. It may be the worst Christmas moment in the history of your own life but you can look beyond all of that i want you to understand that god so loved you and so held you in high esteem that he sent his son to die for you on calvary uh, unfortunately even in that regard god prunes us the same way not the same way thank god that i pruned that tree to get in the stand but god does prune us john wrote i am the true vine where jesus said i am the true vine and my father is the gardener he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful so like some christmas trees we start out we're bent we're spiritually out of shape we're broken but god works in his love to present us perfect in his sight jude wrote to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and without and with great joy listen to that listen to that this morning you're presented to god without fault and with great joy to the only god our savior be glory and majesty and power and authority through jesus christ our lord before all ages now and forevermore he thought of you in eternity past you didn't just happen God created you and he wants this relationship with you. And, you know, remember when, again, you cut down a tree and, or, or if you get it out of the closet, as we now do. <laughs> and for a little while, well, the first one we got that we bought that was the fake one, it was seven feet tall and it was about as big as the living room. And, it, and, I, and again, I about lost my religion, pulling all those little branches and trying to, you know, get all those little ready to go fortunately in the last couple of years i think we have both finally aged to the point where we got one of them slim line versions about like this size right here and you just and it's good but you 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 put it you made it look right you put it right you put it in just the right spot you turn it just the right way god decorates us listen to me now god decorates us that same way each of us if you think of yourself in that manner God festoons us with the fruit of his spirit. Festoons, that's a good word. Look that up. God places us with all of the gifts of the spirit that we might shine in this world that we're living in. He sends his angels to protect us and his word as a star to guide us. So have you inventoried your decorations that God has given to you? I've told you before, the church is not complete until every one of Christ's followers in that local body are utilizing the gifts that God gave to them on the day they entered into the relationship. 
So I want to encourage you. I want, to th- I want you to think soberly about yourselves. And by that I mean think about what God has done for you and what God would do in you and through you in this kingdom. Even at Christmas, you're going to have an opportunity here now with family members that don't know the Lord, with, get, with people, neighbors. That live. You invite, next Sunday morning, this place ought to be packed out. It's the easiest day of the year to invite someone to church. Hey, come on, we're going to come over to our house. We're going to have Christmas morning, but we're going to go. We're going to run over Christmas Eve to the church and have a candlelighting, sing silent night, all the hymns, all the carols. It'll be awesome. It'll be great. Come with us. How hard is that? When you're offering people eternity, that's what you're offering them. Why do we shy away? God's gifted us for that purpose. He surrounds us with His grace. We become the distribution points of God's gifts. I don't know if you consider the fact that as His agent, you can point everyone to the care and compassion and love of Jesus that he has for them how will you show others this week that you're looking forward to the return of jesus christ remember that god places us right where he wants us to be when we studied the red sea rules it was the first rule in that particular series that we looked at that you are right where god wants you to be and if you're going through a difficult circumstances i know that's hard thinking but we are right where God wants us to be, either to grow in our faith journey with Him and our understanding of Him, or to be able to share Him with others, or just to be celebrate all the good and things that He's done for us. We are His centerpiece, His masterpiece, but we're also made in the image of His Son. That's what makes us go pretty. That's what makes us shine so bright. Not because of all of ourselves and how handsome or beautiful you think you might be this morning. It's because you're made in the image of the Son of God. The most beautiful Christmas tree that ever existed is the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus bore our sins in his body on that tree. First Peter wrote, Peter wrote about it. He says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been what? Healed. It's the tree of sacrifice on the hill of of Calvary outside of Jerusalem. It's humanity's darkest moment. It's humanity's darkest moment, and it's in that moment that God showed his deepest love for you and me. I have a small cross at home that a man named Owen Meyer made for me 25 years ago when I was teaching the Sunday school class. And he brought it, and it's, it's a beautiful cross, very polished wood. It's got a crown of thorns hanging on the top of it. And then it has a beautiful red sash around it. And I've always thought about that. It's a red bow on the Christmas tree. It's a red bow symbolizing the blood of Jesus Christ and what he did for me. And I never want to forget that in all of my celebration of Christmas that the earth sometimes takes good care of but not so much thinking about what he has done for us so god invites us in return of all of that god invites us to return his love by entering into a personal relationship with him in jesus 
God entered the world in the humblest way. Luke 2 tells us while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. A young Jewish virgin gave birth to the Son of God and laid him in that feeding trough manger. No Hollywood, no glitz, no glamour. But in that moment, all of eternity changed for you and me. When Christ was born, so was our hope. Paul wrote to the church at Rome and said, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you overflow with hope this morning? Or are you so burdened by the earthly circumstances that you've forgotten the promise of God that He who has the Son has life? No one is beyond the love of God. Hear me well. No one is beyond the love of God. God in His relentless love will go anywhere for anyone. Think of that for a moment. There has never been a person so unworthy, so vile, so bad, so poor, or so righteous that God would not love. Jesus Christ died the most incredibly painful of spiritual deaths so that the lowest and the least and all of the rest could come to him. Oh, come all ye faithful. Jesus, who is the risen Savior, desires to live in you. He lovingly, patiently continues to knock at your life's door. And he said in Revelation, See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. He wants to be your very life. Not just your Sunday morning fun time. I know that that's convicting to me. God doesn't just want me on Sunday morning. God doesn't want me just to walk in here and share in the fellowship with my fellow believers on Sunday morning. God wants me to walk daily with all of those who reach out to him and call him by name, knowing that this is, a, this is just a small glimpse of what eternity is going to be for me with the people of God standing at the feet of Jesus. Colossians 3, Paul wrote, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory he wants your love as you believe and hope in him the first and greatest commandment that we were given was love the lord your god with all of your heart your mind your soul at christmas time more than any other time perhaps god offers us his love and he shows the world as we celebrate and you know there's a there's a whole pot full of people calling themselves atheists that are going to be celebrating the christmas holiday and they might think it's just a day off from work. And they might think it's just an excuse to give presents or whatnot. But the entire world and its existence is subject to God and to the creation of this world and all of us and the what Jesus Christ did for us. The calendar is divided by the dates of his birth and death. The whole world, whether they understand it or not, acknowledges Jesus Christ on Christmas Day. 
God offers us his love. Love is always a gift. When it's offered, we have the option to decline it or to accept it, to receive it. To receive it requires some vulnerability on our part. We have to admit that we cannot solve all of our problems on our own. We have to admit that we ain't that tough. We're not that strong. We're not that able. That we cannot solve the problem of eternity on our own and by our good works and our good deeds, no matter how they might be. His love is unceasing. And sometimes we go through seasons where we doubt it. Sometimes we go through seasons where we struggle. If your life resembles a stable, smelly, stinky, messy, and you can doubt that God would love you in that condition, but I'm going to tell you something, that's where Jesus came into the world. God chose Bethlehem, an insignificant small town. He chose Mary, an unwed Jewish girl. He chose the shepherds. He chose the magi. He chose the wise men. The manger was humble. Bethlehem was small. Mary was lowly. The shepherds were outcasts, and the magi were outsiders. Maybe we've become too familiar with the Christmas story to truly appreciate how radical those choices were to bring the King of kings and the Lord of lords into the world. Max Lucado wrote, the moment Mary touched God's face is the moment God made his case. There is no place he will not go. If he is willing to be born in a barnyard, then expect him to be at work anywhere. Bars, bedrooms, boardrooms, and brothels. No place is too common. No place is too hardened. No distance is too far. There is no person he cannot reach. There is no limit to his love. Do you believe that about God this morning? Because it's true for you. I invite you this morning, if you are here, and perhaps you haven't heard about that, that by faith this morning you can open your heart and run into the arms of Jesus Christ who longs to forgive you, to give new life to you, and to be with you now and forever. John wrote it, said, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What are you doing to prepare for Christmas because he's coming would you pray with me Lord this morning we're so grateful for this season as we get ready and my prayer is that the people of God for all those who already call themselves Christ followers that indeed we would follow Lord that we would be focused this week every day we would take the time reading that Christmas story, reading about the Magi, reading about the response of Herod, reading about what Jesus' mom and dad went through, Lord, just that we would remember all that you have done to make this day a reality and a moment for us to celebrate because of the way you love us because of the way that you have sacrificed for us, because of what you have done to allow us to spend eternity with you, Lord. We have the opportunity to pause in our
busy lives and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.